Hey, it's Steve and welcome to Share, a podcast that sets out to do just that. From stories and reflections to ideas and concepts, each episode will dive into a wide range of topics and discussions that come from a journey through life. The simple fact I've discovered is when we share, we empower, not just ourselves, but each other. Are you planning your next holiday? Let the team at Mind and Body Travel inspire you. With a focus on wellness and well-being, the team at Mind and Body Travel can assist you whether you're looking to attend a retreat, test yourself on an adventure, tick off that bucket list trip, or just create a travel itinerary that includes all that you want in a holiday while taking into account all that your mind and body needs. Revolutionising the way people look at holidays and travel, they believe that travel should deliver nourishment for your soul, clarity for your mind, and renewed focus upon your return. So you ready to take off? Then it's time to check in with the team at Mind and Body Travel. Just visit www.mindandbodytravel.com. This week's episode dives into the mindset of a guy who has wisdom far beyond his years. He pushed through a challenging time in his late teens and early 20s, struggled through depression, anxiety, and thankfully has lived to tell the story. He talks about how important your environment is when it comes to life, the people you surround yourself with, and the benefit in pushing through discomfort, in failing fast and regularly because you learn quicker. His passion for unlocking the potential in people and getting them to realize that they can live and love a life by design has seen him launch the Dream Out Loud Institute, the extremely successful Dream Out Loud podcast, and countless events such as the annually sold-out Dreamfest to create maximum impact to the lives of many. I was extremely fortunate to be able to catch up with him for this episode and pick his brain around what he's learned and what he implements to unlock financial freedom. He's an entrepreneur, an engaging speaker, coach, and podcast host who's making waves around the world and after listening to this episode, you'll certainly understand why. He can get pretty passionate and tell it how it is. So excuse the odd F-bomb, but this conversation with my friend and this week's guest, Morgan T. Nelson, will definitely make an impact. Morgan T. Nelson, welcome to Share. Mate, I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me on here. No, it's awesome. How's your day been? Busy. <laughs> Busy, productive. Productive. It's been productive. Mate, I've been following your journey and you are a very, very busy man. Yeah, it's it's especially well. I, I like to be productive, you know, and just make sure I'm squeezing the juice out of every single moment. Yeah, I I really want to make sure when I look back on every year, I'm like fire out. Like, I can't believe we got all this done this year. And and then I think it towards the end of the year for me, it always just gets ten times more busy as well because the end's coming. Like that, I think it's Pareto's law. I think that's him. Like we'll give however long we give the tasks to get done. That's how long we usually take to get things done. So I think for me, by the end, when the end of the year comes, I'm like, shit, I'm going to do all these things. So I just triple the amount of things in a short amount of time. And, and I'm booked out nearly every single day until Christmas. How productive are you, though, when you're about to go on holidays or yeah. something's approaching? In the last three days or something, you get all this work done and you go, imagine if I could do that every day. Yeah, yeah. So I, I try to hack it to actually do that because that's, it's, there's a law. I, I think it's Pareto's law. It says it's, we will literally take however long we give the task to get done. So if we, if we say, like for perfect example, I'm going to start writing my book in December. And some people have said to me, oh, you know, it's going to take you about a year. I'm like, fuck off. Gonna take, I'm going to give it two months. I'm just going to smash it. And that's how long I'm going to give it. And I'm going to start writing it. And that's, that's how we're going to get it done. If I don't put an end date on things, then I will probably take a year. I think the, the reason people take a long time to get things done is because they don't have an end date. I put end dates on everything. And I, I do it quarter to quarter. So I have a year plan and I have a quarter plan. And then I break my quarters into weekly plans. 
And then every week I have a to-do list of shit that has to get done that week. And it's just non-negotiable. It's like they, I just can't remember the last time I brought last week's to-do lists into this week. It's like they just have to get done. But it's because I have the deadline by Saturday. Everything's going to be done by Saturday. But if it was just a to-do this quarter, then I'll coast it for the first few weeks and I'll smash it on the last. Same as when people in school, they do their exams in the last week or the night before. I used to do my exams the night before they'll do. Yeah. Right? So, so I use that strategy into how to just be a better high performer and put end dates on everything, knowing that my brain's going to want to quickly try and get it done before it's finished. Well, I want to dig into some of your insights, but I wanted to start as I start every episode. Give me a snapshot of your story. A snapshot. Okay. So I finished school. The only reason I went to grade 12 was for the parties and the girls. I was not, <laughs> I was not great in school at all. I didn't enjoy it. When I finished school, everyone else around me was going to university and doing all these things. And I realized I didn't want to do that. So I went and traveled Europe for two months. And when I was traveling, I realized that that's what I want to do. I just want to live a life of freedom. I want to travel. And so does everybody though. But the difference was I came back and I started to think of a plan to have it. And so I didn't just let it be a dream anymore. I committed to dreaming out loud, right? So I, I started working as a carpenter, an apprenticeship as a carpenter, tree like shit, $7.50 an hour, you know, went through the craziest times, got sucked into the life of drugs, alcohol, toxicity, depression, attempted suicide at 19, went through this whole pit of shit. And I had to go through that to realize that the most important thing for us is the people we surround ourselves with in a moment-to-moment basis. So that really started to change the whole trajectory of my life. I was 19 years old. I, I made a commitment to only surround myself and to get around people that lifted me up, that were, you know, that were good role models, that were positive, that were successful. And it led me to start my first business at 21. Started a business at 21. knew nothing about it. I sucked at it. Sucked for two years. The next six months, I did pretty okay at it. And I was making enough money in that business to quit my job as a carpenter. So I quit. I was financially free, like legitimate financially free. Like I had a residual income. We built a huge residual cash flow sort of system up. And then I moved to Mexico. I moved to Mexico. I lived there for a few years, built this business, been bigger, six-figure business there. We're doing seven figures a year in sales. And then lived in Bali for a while. We just sort of traveled the world for like my early 20s. And then the whole next chapter right now that I'm on started in COVID because when COVID started, I had an international tour lined up. I was speaking in Canada, speaking in America, speaking in Mexico, speaking in Australia, every major city in Australia and in New Zealand. Then one by one, every single city started to get canceled. And I was watching it all collapse around. And I was like, wow, this is, this is freaking wild. And so for the first time in a very long time, I was sitting still and I thought, what, what am I going to do now? And that's when I started my podcast because I, I love teaching and speaking and training. And I just figured, what if I could just put this into a podcast and teach everybody, you know? And that started something really special in the middle of COVID and fast forward to now, that's now birthed into the Dream Out Loud Institute. We have a training company, personal development, professional development. And what I really help people sort of do based off my work over the last nine years of personal development, neuroscience, psychology, neuro-linguistic programming, all these sorts of things, I've really just become obsessed on helping people create what it is they really want to create and then design a life of freedom. That's the sort of thing. And when people start to create that sort of life, all their excuses come up in the way, their fears, their doubts, their limiting beliefs, their conflicts. And 
I just like to sort of help people break through all this shit and elevate to that next level. So that kind of brings us up to what we're doing about now. You know, now in, in, we're just, we, we run an events company. It's our main thing. We've got another company, Dojo Media. It's our podcast agency. I think that's, that's kind of the main ones at, at the moment. That's sort of keeping us, what's keeping us busy now. You're wearing a lot of hats. Yeah, yeah. I'm wearing a lot of hats. But we're, as we're growing and scaling, we're training proper people, bringing people in. Because at the same time, I really value a life of freedom myself. So we, I'm productive. So the end of this year, I got two months left to the end of the year. It sounds like I'm really busy because I am. But I'm also busy with, I just booked in a yacht trip with a bunch of my friends. I'm going to Bali for two weeks, running a mastermind over there for four days. And we'll just chill out in Bali for a couple of weeks. Then when I come back, I've got a New South Wales podcast tour lined up, a Melbourne podcast tour lined up, and then another Sydney tour lined up. So there's a lot of fun happening on there as well. And that's kind of how I like to do my life. So it's very productive and very fun because I don't like to spend my weeks doing things I don't like doing ever. There's maybe tasks that I don't like to do. There's never weeks where I'm like, that's a horrible week. I design, I put a lot of fun and play into what I do. Morgan, there's a lot of people online, social media. They make it all look easy, but it's not easy, is it? Well, I don't know. Because compared to what? Because I would look at my life and I think my life is pretty easy because I think it would be a lot harder if I had to stay on the job site. I legitimately think my life would have been a lot harder if I had to stay at a carpenter working 50 hours a week, not being with my partner, not being with my friends, not having freedom to just, if I want to just go on a holiday tomorrow, I, I can and that's okay. But as a carpenter, I, I couldn't do that. So I, I, I think... Any road you choose in life is going to be hard. It is hard. It is hard to go out there and continually face rejection. It is hard to go out there and have to learn new skills and wear many hats and build businesses and continually show up when you don't feel like doing it. It's fucking hard. 100% is. But it's also really hard to get to the end of your life and look back on everything you've lived and go, wow, I played it really safe. I was in my comfort zone the whole time. Hmm. I didn't take any risks. And I didn't bring any of my dreams to life. I think I like that, like that's the thing that motivates me all the time is getting to the end of my life and knowing that I'm going to meet the person who I could have become if I actually went for it all. I believe I'm going to meet the person who actually tapped into all their potential. And when I meet them, I want them to be jealous of me. To go, fuck, you did good, man. Because I really think we're, we're going to get there and we're going to be like, here's what I could have done if I had tapped into all my potential. Here's also what I could have done if I let life just drift me by. So when you say like it's, it's, not, it's not easy, kind of. It's kind of not easy, but I think the other road is far harder. I truly believe. But the problem is in the moments, in the moments, it feels hard. Because if we do what's hard now, life will be easy. But if we do what's easy, life will be hard. So it tricks people to think, well, well, I'd rather just go to the bar. I'd love to go to the pavilion with my friends on the weekend and do all these things. It's nice and easy. For me, I'm run, I'm about, I ran an event last night. I have interviews all day today. And then tomorrow, I'm running an event on, in the Gold Coast. Sunday, I'm running an event in Sydney. So I literally finish my event tomorrow, get on a plane, go to Sydney, speak all day. Then all day Monday, all day Tuesday, I've got interviews and podcasts all, while I'm there. And then I'm back on Wednesday for more meetings and shit next week. And then I run a four-day program Thursday to Sunday next week. I, I would like to go out on the water today. It'd be beautiful. 
But I would rather sacrifice short-term fun because of what I'm building long-term. Because here's what I know. Going out on the water on a yacht with your friends in Italy is much better than taking a jet ski out on the Gold Coast Seaway right here. And that's what drives me. I like to talk about big things with my friends. We're, we're planning a New Zealand trip with some friends next year. And uh, we're, we're discussing, I don't know if we're going to go ahead, we're discussing taking a private plane over there. Yeah. Because we're like, fucking why not? You know, like it's a crazy experience. And I just, that, these are the things. So, you know, if, if people go, so yeah, back to the question, it's, it's not easy, but I, I think it's worth it. Yep. Morgan, obviously being a speaker, podcast host, all the things that you've done, talk to me about self-doubt and how you've pushed through it. I don't think self-doubt ever goes. Okay, so let me talk about this. So here's where I really learned what self-doubt actually is. Self-doubt will only come from the lack of confidence, okay? So once we have confidence in something, something, I'm sure when you did your first podcast interview, you're like, fuck, can I do this? People even got to listen. And then you do one, you do five, you do 10 now. Doubt goes away. You're like, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm good. I don't have to prepare much. It's good. I'm actually, I trust myself because that's the key. Self-doubt comes from the lack of confidence and therefore the lack of self-trust. And this is something I've been practicing for a long time. And one of the things I do at all my events is I'll help people. Well, I sort of challenge people to push their comfort zone and they go talk to a brand new partner. Go, go, you know, push their comfort zone a little bit because sometimes people come to events and they're like, I don't want to talk to people. And for years, I've taught all around the world. Comfort zone, uncomfortable zone, and then developing the space of the unknown zone and diving into there and living from a space of unknown because it's the best place. And I've, I've watched people. I'm like, why are people so resistant to living in a world of unknown? And it didn't really hit me until the start of this year when I started to learn skydiving. See, I jumped into this year, literally. I, I dived right into this year and I'm like, I'm going to start. I want to become a skydiver. So I go up to Tagulawa where they start and we're sitting in a tin shed, 40 degree heat in the middle of January. We're watching a PowerPoint presentation all day long on all the different ways that you can die skydiving and then the one way to fix it. And I'm thinking, this is pretty insane. I really didn't think it was that dangerous. Like I thought it was, like, sure, I thought it was a little scary, but I, I thought it was kind of like, Bulletproof? Not really. It's there's like a lot that can go wrong. It's unlikely, but it can go wrong. If it goes wrong, it's a bad time. So at the end of it, I was thinking. So I was committed. I was going to stay there for an entire week and jump all week. And I was committed. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. So I call my partner. I call someone. And I say, Hey, look, I don't. I don't know if I'm too. You know, life's pretty fun. I scuba dive. I travel. Do I really need to jump out of airplanes as well? I think I can get to the end of my life and be okay with that one. And I said, Just, you know, my gut's really telling me this is a bad idea. And she's telling me, she's like, trust your gut. You know your gut. Just come home. Just come home. And I'm like, let me sleep on it. Let me sleep on it. I sleep on it. All night long, I'm going through safety precautions in my head, like our steps of what you need to do. And the next day I wake up and I ask myself the question, what are you so afraid of? It's not exiting. It's not jumping. It's the fact when I jump out of the airplane, am I going to do the things I know I need to do? Am I going to open the parachute? Now I'm saying to myself, well, why the fuck would you not open the parachute? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's a possibility. Like, what if I don't? What if I get out there? I freak out. I forget. I black out. Who, what if What if that happens and I forget to do it? And then I said to myself, right. So it's not a matter of the fear of jumping out. 
it's you don't trust yourself to actually do what you know you need to do under pressure. I was like, fuck, that's so true. Because what happens is if we're addicted to our comfort zone, the thing that it also has in common is a world of self-doubt. Self-doubt, fears, frustration, sees the payoff. Life's very easy here. Life's very easy, but you have tremendous doubt. Imposter syndrome is very high. Live by limiting beliefs, you know, and, and that's, that's the world. But as soon as we start to break out and we step into the uncomfortable zone, it's very frightening at first. But what happens is when we take a step of courage to actually leave, so courage comes first, we step into the uncomfortable zone, we then develop confidence. Because I know, have you been skydiving? No, but we had this discussion. It's, it's my goal too. It's probably one of the things that scares me the most, but I am going to do it. Cool. So this is what happens every single time someone skydives who has never done it before and they, they're freaking out, okay? This, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You can get there. You're like, oh, I want to do this. And it's, you get freaky the fuck out, right? And you get up and you got to do it anyway. You get again in the plane. It's going to be frightening as shit. You think you're cool for a second. Then they put your legs out over the plane and you're like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> they then throw you out and you've got about 40 seconds where you're kind of enjoying it and kind of like, end this. They pull the parachute, you fly down and you're like, that was pretty cool. Then you land and instantly you're going to say, let's go again. Yep. Every single time. I've never met someone who skydived, who hated it and then landed and still hated it. Yep. Because what happens is when we push our comfort zone, we dive into the uncomfortable zone, we take that step of courage, we develop confidence. Confidence comes from dopamine. Dopamine gets released from our body. It creates these, these chemicals and we increase our confidence. We increase our self-esteem through this because every single time we do something that's a little bit hard, we come out the other side and we go, damn, I'm proud of me unconsciously because we go, that's another thing. I didn't, now I have evidence. I didn't know you could do that. Mm. But now I know you, wow, we've collected a piece of evidence to prove that you're a badass and you're someone who does things even if it's a bit scary. Now repeat this process millions of times. Not just skydiving, but just doing things a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. That's why I love you starting the podcast, going to networking events, doing anything that's like, oh, I wouldn't usually do this. Go do it, lean into it. Because what's going to happen is the self-doubt will creep up, but then go and do it. After the process of the little bit of internal suffering, you're like, ah, oh, I'm not good at this. You'll go home and be like, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. And what happens there is with the dopamine, it increases your levels of self-trust. I said this the other day and I'm like, you know, the world's a crazy place right now. It looks like we're on the bridge of World War III. Not that I want to go to war, but if shit broke out and we had to get drafted, there's no way out of it. I would just be like, man, I, I trust my ability to be a badass motherfucker in that place now. You know, I just trust my ability just because I've, I'm not going to want to do it still. I'll probably find any excuse I can to avoid it. But if it happened, I would just adjust my focus to go, well, I got this then. Because of the amount of times I've continued done things that are uncomfortable and that I don't like, I've developed a relationship knowing that I can trust myself in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainty. That's why I like living in the third zone, which is the unknown zone, which is the space of going, I just don't know what's going to happen today. And I love that because I'm ready. Mm. I'm ready. You know, a great leader is always ready. So I think self-doubt will really exist in people who are living in the comfort zone or if you're about to do something you haven't done yet. Like tomorrow, we've got these events on. I'm not going to doubt myself before I go to the events. But if I go do something brand new, I may doubt myself doing something brand new. 
Like, I'm not sure what that would be. Maybe paragliding or I don't know, hang gliding. I've never done hang gliding. Swimming with sharks or something. I have done that. <laughs> oh, you've done that. Yeah, I'm a sicko. Yeah, 110 feet in the middle of the ocean of Belize had sharks swimming across our lap. And I don't like sharks. I really don't like sharks. But, you know, when they, when they were coming at me and I'm 110 feet below, I'm like, well, what are you going to do? They're going to eat me. They're going to eat me. So I just watched it. I'm like, I'd rather, them, I'd rather watch them eat me <laughs> than swim away. And my bubbles were like, and then when it finished, I was like, what an experience. Mm. All right. It's crazy, but it happens every single time. So self-doubt will go away the moment we take action. I watched that documentary. Did you watch the documentary with Chris Hemsworth? No, I haven't. It's about six or seven episodes. I think it's on Amazon Prime. And he went through and they took him through different things. And one of the things they said was, if you want to deal with stress better, you have to encounter stress. Yeah. You know, so recently I did a course and I had to do a presentation as part of my assessment. And I know I was like stressing out, right? But that feeling of when I finished and then I got the feedback and I got my results and I passed, God, I feel on top of the world, right? And that's the feeling you've kind of got to focus on when you go into these things. There was a film years ago with Matt Damon called We Bought a Zoo. And I remember watching it and they talk about 20 seconds of courage. Because if you can take 20 seconds of courage and get into, you get started, you just flow from there. Mm. It, it is just getting started and moving into it. Yeah. I remember the first time I bungee jumped, they said to me, I was on the edge of the steps and they said to me, and I was freaking out. The bungee jump is hard to just voluntarily throw yourself off a cliff that close to the ground, mentally hard. And he said to me, he's like, just count down from three and just take a step. Count down from three and just lean forward. That's it. He goes, because as soon as you, if you count up, you'll never stop counting. So you go count down and then you just, the first step of action. Once you take that first step, it's harder to come back than this to continue. So that's what I did. Three, two, one, started leaning and then I can't lean back. I'm like, I'm out. And that's what I use for a lot of things. If, I, if I'm procrastinating or if I'm doing things that are hard, I'm just like, great, ready? Three, two, one, go. First thing, I'm just in it. And then it's just the enjoying of the dance. But remember, yeah, you do have to condition yourself with stress to actually get better at handling stress. I remember Cohen Ray, I was having a conversation with Cohen and he said to us, he's fucking crazy story. He went and trained in the Ukrainian special forces and they were over there for a month, I think it was, and they were training and training and training. And he said, what they did is they continually put their bodies under tremendous stress so they can handle stress in, in the heat of battle. And one day they're all sitting in, in the dining room having dinner with all the soldiers and these people come in with balaclavas on and AK-47s, kick doors open, grab every one of them and put it against the wall, barrel in their face. And he was smiling. He's just smiling because he, he realized then he's like, shit, we've done so much crazy shit this week that I'm, I'm calm in this situation. And the second thing was he's like, oh, no, that's just another like setup they're doing like while we're having dinner. And then he looked and he said, he goes, I looked into his eyes and I could just see black. And he's like, I actually knew that they weren't fucking around. He's like, then shit got serious. Then what happens is after they spoke Ukrainian back and forth, boom, 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 they end up running out. They run out, close the door. Everyone sits back down and finishes dinner and has a laugh. <laughs> Crazy, right? And he's like, and then he's like, what was that all about? He's like, oh, they were looking for someone and we weren't that person. And then what happens was they got the wrong room. And they actually went into a room next door and grabbed somebody out of this room. So it was a home sent real. But because of all the things that they did, they put themselves into these situations of handling stress. And 
when, when the most craziest thing, a gun in your face, he was just calm and laughed about it. So hopefully that never has to happen for somebody, but it's very true. The more we can actually embrace fit, uh, stress and actually get around stress and allow ourselves to get stressed, we just cope with it. Like our, our standard will just rise. It's like the boiling pot. If our level's here and this stresses us out and that's our point of ah, freaking out, the more we adapt to it, we get used to it and it'll get higher and higher and higher. Our threshold will increase of how much stress we can actually tolerate. Yep. Yeah. Now on your podcast, you've interviewed some, some great people, as you say, Kerwin Ray, Dr. John Gray, Les Brown, Dr. John Demartini. Tell me, what are some of the secrets that you've unlocked from their stories? Hmm. Apart from like, man, there's so many, some of the secrets, you know, they're all very much the same, to be honest. You know, the secrets of creating extraordinary life is not really that much of a secret anymore, Mm. you know, but the the commonalities I've found with every single successful person I've met is they have a strong support community. They have a strong support community around them. They invest in mentorship, okay, and they model from people. So every single one of them has a coach they learn from. They're in a mentorship or a mastermind, and they've just got a great circle of people around them. What I've noticed is they're all very, very, like they take their own emotional well-being very seriously. For example, none of them are going to tolerate bad relationships around them. None of them are going to tolerate toxic relationships, victim relationships, complaining relationships, or any of these sorts of people around them. Mm. Because that's the standard that they play out in their life. They just want to go with that. So that's definitely the main thing, like the environment. The environment's super, super, super big. What else would it be? There's, there's, there's so many. The, the, the other thing I'd also say would be they're all humans as well. I think a lot of the time that stops people from actually achieving the results that they want is they pedestal people. Yep. And they, they'll put people on the pedestal and be like, this person's like this. And I realized that when I first started doing podcasting, when I interviewed, I think John Lee, massive business guy in the UK, and his team reached out to me and like, John Lee, would like to collaborate on the podcast with you. And I thought I was getting catfished hard. I'm like, there's no way. Like this guy, I've only done like 20 episodes or something. Like, what are you talking about? And I thought I was getting catfished. Then sure enough, this guy gets on the podcast. I was waiting up at midnight, my time, because he was in the UK. And I'm like, I hope he's freaking here. He rocks up and he gets on. And we had a mad chat. He was one of the coolest dudes ever. But I was sort of like, that was the first big guest I had. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's so successful. From there, I just stopped pedestaling people. Mm. So I had a conversation with another one of my friends, Joel Brown. He's got a huge podcast. He's interviewed like Tony Robbins and Jay Shetty and everybody. And he's like, dude, they're all the same. If we put people on a pedestal, then we'll never actually allow ourselves to get to where they are and we'll compare our life with them. It's a, it's a comparison game. And I think the funniest time I really realized this was when I interviewed Les Brown. He's just funny, man. Like he, he jumps on and because he's like an older guy. He's like 76 or something, right? And he knew nothing about the technology. And he's just yelling out to his son like, John, Leslie, get in here. I need help with this. And, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm like, fuck, I don't know if he knows I'm here. Or, and I'm like, Les, Morgan, is that you? Where are you? And then I'm just having a laugh with him, you know. And, and he's just this guy yelling at his son to be like, come help me here. Help your old man out. And this guy's just a guy. He's, you know, he's one of the coolest dudes, Les. So, Definitely a few of those things, but in terms of success, environment is one of the most important things. Environment, they're, they're very fast to take action. They're very fast action takers. The length from idea to implementation is very short with some of the most successful people I know. And I, and I try my best to embody that as well. If I get an idea, I act on it immediately, whether it be delegating to my team or drafting up a plan or just doing it. 
or penciling in my diary to work on it, whatever it is, I, I just, I guess you're done. And what would be another one? One thing I like as well is in this world, I've noticed there's a lot of people who get success and it all goes to their head as well. And, and I avoid those people bringing them on the podcast. Staying humble. Yeah. But it's, I don't like the word humble and I'll tell you why in a moment. I hate the word humble actually, but they have humility. But what it is, is they just have authenticity. Mm. And that's the main thing. I think I like, if you look at Conor McGregor, he ain't humble, but he's authentic. Yep. That's why people love him. Grant Cardone, he's not humble, but he's pretty authentic. He just, he's done give a fuck. And that's why he's loved. So it's the authenticity. It's not the humility. And in Australia, people think, you know, so the reason I hate the word is because one time I said to my mentor, hey, how do I get on stage and really deliver the most amazing message that I want to deliver to the crowd while still remaining humble? And he says to me, fuck humble. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, humble was a word that was created by broke and unhappy people to keep you playing in their box. Mm. It's so true, isn't it, right? Especially in Australia. Oh, you want to be humble. Why? Why? If you've got these unique talents and gifts and you want to go out there and create an extraordinary level of success, it is your absolute birthright to do that. You don't have to worry about, oh, but I still want to make sure that I'm relatable to these people who didn't go after their fucking dreams. No. But yes, but there's, there's a difference of not being humble but then being cocky. Hmm. So there's some people that have this idea of being huge ego where they're like, think that they're better than somebody. So being cocky is when you think you're better than others. Being authentic is just knowing how freaking good you are and being proud of how good you are and also knowing that others can do their best as well. So knowing that authenticity is just knowing that at the base level, we're all humans. We're all humans. Hmm. And some humans have way more success than others, but that doesn't make that person better. Yep. And all the most amazing thought leaders I've done an interview and meet they're they're like that they're authentic and that's the biggest that's the biggest player they're they're just like i am who i am and you know and and that's like i've had to learn for the years of you know i created financial freedom at 23 and then i was traveling the world from 23 to 27 speaking on stages i got flown to maui to speak on stage with darren hardy the founder of success magazine at the age of 24 to train our company's top 500 performers imposter syndrome was kicking in i was like why am i here I can't do this, but I'm just this kid from Australia, you know, but I don't want to. And, and it, it really hindered my growth for so long, trying to make sure I wasn't getting a big head. But you'll only get this big head if you think you're better than other people. But if you've got, if you're crushing it, you've got to own that shit. Yep. You've got to own it and you've got to like dive into it. And it's the tall poppy syndrome, just bullshit here in Australia where people are like, oh, they want you to do good, but not better than them. But then here's the weird thing. They want you to do good, but not better than them. But then once you start doing really good, they love you. Like some of the most successful people in Australia, Aussies idolize them. Oh, yeah, you go, the fucking Aussie battler. Good on you. They love it. They love it. But they don't want to see you on that journey yet. They'll be like, oh, you think you're better than us, hey, mate? But then after that journey's done, they're like, oh, my God, I always knew you could do it. I'm so proud of you. It's, it's a weird freaking thing here in Australia. In America, they cheer you on every step of the way. It's crazy. It's so crazy where I thought they were making fun of me the first time I, I met them. Yeah, I did an event in America and they were just so overly supportive to me and I thought they were taking a piss. I'm like, you want to get punched in the face? I thought they were being sarcastic to me. Oh, yeah, good job, Morgan. You're so good. Pat me on. You're so good, Morgs. Keep going. 
I've been to America a number of times through real estate and conferences and stuff like that. And I was over there going, these guys are just about lifting each other up. Yeah. Everyone's a coach, right? If you're a real estate agent over there, you're a coach as well. You coach people and it's all about, yeah, oh, link with this person and this person will help you do this. And I've spoken with this guy and I'm putting on an event. It's a completely different environment over there. Mm. I thought the same when I went over there. I'm like, how do these guys all support each other and they're lifting each other up? But once again, it comes back to environment, right? If you're in the right environment with the right people, it builds that. Yeah. And if you think, I like to think of where did the tall poppy syndrome come from? And if you think back, we're only a couple hundred years off convicts. Our great, great grandparents were fucking convicts. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Hmm. You know, like we're, we're only a few generations away from people that got sent over here on a boat. And then I don't know what life would have been like, but I imagine it was a lot of stay in line, do the right thing because you're all convicts. You're convicts just, and a lot of them got shipped over here for not really doing much. Hmm. So potentially this, this has been passed down generations. They just don't stand out, just stick in line, do the right thing, just get by. And that's, that's probably the mentality that's really carried on. But unfortunately now it's not a thing. So what happens is when we see someone else standing out and doing something else, We'll be like, oh, who do you think you are? And I just got back from the UK speaking at an event and they're pretty crazy over there about it too. Like they're really tall poppy syndrome, the Brits. Mm. And I was thinking, I was like, I wonder where this comes from. And, I, I, and this could be complete made up shit. So this is not a fact, okay? This is what I've just been thinking about the last few weeks. I wonder if it is because the English empire dominated all around the world, fighting Scots, Irish. I would just wonder if through generations they've carried a bit of guilt to be like, you know, the new generations be like, oh, you know, we've done a lot and now they want to play smaller and go, mm. oh, I don't want to stand out. We should just do the right thing. Don't do that because we've, our last, last generations have caused so much havoc. English Empire fucking took over everything. I, I just wonder, I'm just not sure. Like, I'm really, I'm excited to sort of explore that more and where does this whole tall poppy syndrome shit come from? When you look at it, no one that is above you in wealth, in success or anything like that, anyone you look up to, anyone that criticizes or judges you isn't above you. They are just focused on delivering. They're focused on pushing in the direction they want to go to. So I always find that when you look on Facebook and social media, all the criticism and all the judging that happens is from people that comes from a place of jealousy a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's it is funny. I remember Grant Cardone saying once, "Never ask a millionaire for advice." He's like, "Because when I went on to buy a jet, all these people were telling me, don't buy a jet, don't buy a jet, stupid." He goes, "But then I asked one of my billionaire friends, and they said, of course you need a jet.' <laughs> right? It's just, it's just a different level, right? But it, but it is that, right? I've also never met anyone doing better than me trying to bring me down. Mm. Most successful people." They, when they figure it out, they want to help other people because they know what it was once like to not know how. Like a lot of people turn into purpose. They actually want to give. They're probably definitely the biggest things I've learned from interviewing some of these awesome people. But it, the authenticity thing is, is a big thing of just having these people go, like, we can actually crush it in life and so can you. Mm-hmm. Take you back to you're a carpenter. You know, you're in that tough period of your life. You were going through those challenges. If there's someone listening to this, someone right there in that challenging time in their life at the moment, what's your biggest advice to get through that? The biggest advice would be you've got to look at the people you're surrounded with. 
you've got to look at this. And if they're listening to this podcast, they've already got an idea that they're actually wanting to do better things in life. Yep. They're not just going to accidentally, this isn't played on the tradey radio, right? So if the awareness is already there that you want something more, you've got to adapt and evolve and get into the environment of people that also like it. Because psychologists, they did studies on human beings on the power of our environment. And what they realized is they put four people in a room and they drew four lines on the board. One of the lines was double the size of the other one. And they go A, B, C, D. Three of the people came in, they were paid actors, they were told choose A. The real person comes in and he had to choose and they said to them, okay, guys, go ahead and choose which line stands out from the rest. So they all choose A and the actor looks and goes, what the fuck? No, it's D. It's D. And he circles D. And they do it again. They come in, the real guy, he's doubting himself a little bit more now. He's like, what the hell? No, it's D, guys. And he circles it again. By the time the fourth, fifth, or sixth time, this real person comes in and what he does is he waits for the others to vote and he vote, and he follows them and he votes the exact same one. Yep. So what studies have shown us is that it's more important for us to fit in with the people around us than it is for us to stand out and actually be right and pursue the things that we know are true for us. Yep. So for someone who's going for a hard time and they're like, I want to create more stuff and you got to look around the people you're around because it's probably hard right now because you're surrounded by people that don't believe in you because they don't believe in themselves. You're surrounded by people that have given up on their dreams. How I also explain it is a world of black and white and a world of color. Everyone's living in a world of black and white until the one day you climb up the fence and you peek over and you see color and you're like, holy shit, this is a painful place to be because now you're aware of what could be, but you're holding onto the fence still. Mm. And what a lot of people do here, and I did it for a long time, held the fence and I try to convince everybody in black and white land that color existed. Guys, you should come take a look at it. Have a look. It's color. It's like green and yellow and shit. And they can't even understand those words. Mm. And they're like, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? There's no such thing because down from their perspective, on the ground, it's only black and white. What are you talking about? This guy's lost the plot. Put him in the loony bin. Mm. Just get, get rid of him. And in fact, th- this goes back not in that long ago. Nikola Tesla was put into uh, a psych ward because they thought he was going fucking crazy. One of the smartest people who ever lived because he's talking about shit that other people couldn't see. And they thought he was, he was spastic, right? So eventually, you're trying to convince all these people black and white. And they say, oh, you know, there's no such thing as color. We lost great uncle Jerry to that fence two years ago. You know, he never came back. And I'll tell you why. I've been over to the world of color. There's a reason why great uncle Jerry didn't come back. (laughs) Because once you can see the world that you actually want and you're holding onto the fence, imagine the fence is like a barbed wire fence. The longer you hold on, the the more painful it gets. The longer you hold on and you try and convince others to come with you, you're just dragging yourself down and your hands are getting cut and it's painful. So what needs to happen is to actually make the decision to leap over that fence and dive into that world. And it's going to be scary because you get to get over there and you get to be alone. You're like, oh, I don't have my safety blanket. And that's back to the whole comfort zone thing we are talking about earlier. Yep. Diving into this, but then actually getting around people that have the results you want. One thing I've always done is invested in mentorship, invested in coaches, masterminds. Like right now, I have multiple mentors and coaches. How much have you invested in yourself, Morgs? Oh, close to 300 grand now. Yeah, wow. And I'm about to dive into an $80,000 uh, mastermind because I just see the value. The guy I'm going to dive in with, he's got over 100 companies. He just really gets big, big, big business. That's what I want to do. So why would I not? I'll pay him 80 grand 
I'll probably learn in our first session how to make that money back. But also, it's going to help me just level up myself as well. So the people who are going through a hard time, it's really about, it's probably hard because you're suffering because you haven't made the decision on where you want to be yet. Mm. You're still hanging out in this world of black and white, but you really want to be in the world of color. And the moment you actually make the decision and go all in, you actually will start to ease the pain. So I, I suggest make the decision, jump over the fence and go and get yourself around people that are also going after the things you want. Because the same thing will happen like those lines with the people, you're, you're giving up on the thing you want. The same thing happens in a group of people that are going after things that they want. Because if you think that D is the line and that is a line of mediocrity, and you think, well, this is normal and everyone else around you in this new circle is choosing massive wealth and success and happiness and joy, hmm. eventually, because it's more important for you to fit in, you'll be like, fuck, maybe I'm not meant for a life of mediocrity and suffering. Maybe I can do this as well because everyone else around me is also doing it. That's why scientifically, psychologically, your environment will absolutely change every single thing that's going to happen in your life. Yeah. Morgs, you've got wisdom way beyond your years. (laughs) What does success mean to you? What have you learned about it? Success means to me is literally creating a life on purpose with passion, a life that you get to run a marathon in, okay? So it's not money. They've actually done a study on this as well. The happiest people in the world and the people who live the longest in the world were not the wealthiest. The longest study that ever got done by Harvard University went for 75 years and they wanted to see who lived the longest, who lived the happiest lives. And what they realized, the people at the end of their life who lived the longest weren't the people who had the money, had all the rest of the ship. What they realized was the people who died the soonest were the most lonely. <clears throat> so they discovered that loneliness is actually a disease. It's says poison to actually be lonely. And the people who lived the longest had the best quality relationships and the, and the, and the multiple. Like So they had many quality relationships. So success for me is literally bound to execute my fullest potential. So ultimately, I want to get to the end, have amazing relationships and really go get to the finish line and go, fuck, I gave that my best. That's really success for me. And in the process of that is living a life by design to my highest values that's on purpose with passion for me. So doing the things that light me up, doing the things that impact, that can create impact in the world, doing things that is important to me, that I can operate in my genius zone and just create massive shit. So the obsession for me is being able to finish my life and go, that's insane. People will talk about me when I'm dead. Yeah. yeah just, I, I think it's everyone's birthright. Like come and do something extraordinary. Yeah. Do something absolutely extraordinary. So that's, that's success for me. It's not, it's not billions is you know it's like if if the goals change one day if the goalposts change we're like yeah let's make a billion dollars and sure but right now it's not we just want to do things we've got eyes on 100 million dollars in the next 10 years that's that's the goal valuations right and but apart from that that's it's not even really the money it's it's the impact it's the things we'll leave the things we'll create that's what's really successful uh, success means to me yeah through your life who's been your greatest teacher me yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah i've probably learned more from all of my mistakes i love that than i've learned from anyone else because here's the thing and you probably even had it yourself someone can tell you hey don't touch that fence and you go why not touch it fuck that's why <laughs> sometimes people can tell you don't do this and you've just still got to go and learn it for yourself 
So I, I would literally say I've probably learned more from myself than anybody else because I've learned more about how to trust myself. I've learned more about my discipline. I've learned more about how far I can push the limit. I've learned about my habits, my boundaries, my behaviors. I've learned how to not be successful. I've learned how to be successful. I've learned how to not run events. I've learned how to run events. I've learned how to build my business. I've learned how to lose money, how to make money, how to lose relationships, get relationships. I've learned all of that through trial and error. Ready, fire, aim. A lot of people are afraid to fail. I love failure. I love it because I know that the more we fail, the more feedback we can get to actually make better decisions next time. Yep. Failure is nothing other than feedback. So with that being said, if you can go out there and collect data to make the best decisions, you'd want the most data, right? You'd want to be like, I want to have as much info as possible so I can make the best decision moving forward. And a lot of people are going out there in life trying to do things with no data. But I love it. Go out there and fuck it up as fast as you can, as hard as you can, and as often as you can. Because through those trials and errors and those failures, you're going to learn more about yourself and what worked and what didn't work than anyone could ever teach you because it's your experience. So people can guide you and mentor you. Yes, and it's very useful. It's very important. But at the end of the day, you'll probably still go through your own things and learn from that and go, shit, I won't touch that fence again. And you just remember it like your unconscious mind knows it, your nervous system knows it. Do not do that, right? So I've definitely, I, I, would, I would say me. I love that, Morgs. Morgs, I appreciate your time, mate. I love the impact that you're having. Um, for those that want to reach out to you, connect with you, how do they do that? Yeah, awesome. So two main places is we've got the Dream Out Loud podcast myself. So as we've had some amazing guests on that, number six in Australia for that few hundred episodes on there now, heaps and heaps of value on there. So just search Dream Out Loud on any platform you guys can get onto that. Otherwise, my Instagram is at Morgan T. Nelson. Come and hang along there. You know, we run heaps of events around Australia. Next year, we're going to be going more into globally, different countries. You know, we do a lot of just transformational events for entrepreneurs and those who want to just create an extraordinary life. So come say hi at an event. Well, I'm looking forward to watching your journey and participating in some more of your events like DreamFest 2024, Dream Out Loud Method Weekend. There's lots of exciting stuff coming up and I look forward to getting uh, my hands on your published book when it's finished. Yeah, beautiful. Mate, thank you so much for bringing me on, Steve. It's been a pleasure. No, that's all right. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Morgs, and we'll catch up soon. Love it. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. It's been great to have you along for the ride. Remember to hit subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Maybe just one person you think could benefit from what was just shared. Also, if you haven't connected with me yet, you can find me on Instagram at the Steve Hodgson and also share underscore underscore podcast. I'll catch you on the next episode.